5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Beat that, Sheldon. Aren't you glad to be here on Terry's last Sunday? Um, I uh, just want to let you know, next Sunday we're starting a, a giving series that I do every year. It's a three-week series, and it's called Don't Just Take, Give. It's going to be really a fun time that we talk about things. Uh, giving is usually not what people think it is actually about. Uh, some of us have had bad experience in churches where, you know, they're always talking about money, and I promise you this is, uh, this is not a series like that. It's one that you'll absolutely enjoy. It'll challenge you uh, in ways that maybe you haven't been challenged before. Uh, but it really is, uh, for those of you that have sat through uh, one of my giving series, you really will enjoy and be blessed uh, by it. And for those of you that really want to get, you know, a head start on, on serving and being our, our A1, you know, uh, people here, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., if you're available, uh, there's going to be a blanket prep. Now, what this means is, you guys ever do those blankets with the, what, the corners that you tie the blankets together? I'm sure you've done this or your kids have done this. We're doing that as a service project for our tapestry ministry, I believe. And so our students are going to be doing that, but we don't trust our students with scissors because Lord knows what those things will look like. Um, but if you want to come up here at 10 a.m., Misty, I think you're coming, and maybe a few other people, um, Charles McClure, who, who comes to all of our events, it's all the ladies, and Charles cutting blankets, I know he'll be here. So, uh, but if you want to come and just probably take may maybe an hour, um, you, you'll get to kind of hang out and, and kind of serve in that way. And Lucy, Shane, when are you guys doing the, the, the tie party? November the 2nd, okay, so that's that's coming up. So if you want to do that, 10 a.m. tomorrow shouldn't take that long. Also, uh, Julie wanted me to remind you that the chili cook-off is, uh, is it next Sunday, that the kids are going to be in their, in their Halloween costumes and kind of enjoying that. Um, I think we have about 12 chilies entered. We need probably about 16 to 18. We don't want people to just bring it. But I want to give you a little, a little just, a, just a little word for you guys. When we did this a few years ago, I won convincingly. Okay, if any of you want a piece of the pie, Chad, you still bitter about it? Okay. He's conveniently out of town this, this week for that one, so, you know, one withdrawal already. Uh, but if you'd, like to, if you'd like to come and cook chili, it's going to be great for things. I think our leadership team is going to be the judges uh, on that, um, so it's awesome. And it's done anonymously, just so you know, so it's, there's no cheating uh, in the midst of that, even though Chad will tell you differently. Um, because he's a sore loser, and he needs to work on that. Um, so you need to cry on the inside like a winner, buddy, okay? That's what you need to do. No, just kidding. But uh, if you'd like to do that, talk to Julie today, because we do need to know uh, if a few of you would like to enter, uh, enter a chili for next, next Sunday. It's going to be a great time for us to enjoy with our families. Uh, so today is the last day of the Galatians series. We've been talking about uh, Galatians for, for a number of weeks, probably for about 10 or 12 weeks, kind of walking through this letter that Paul shares 
and right with this church and kind of take from it what we can so that we can ultimately uh, kind of hear the words of Scripture for our own lives. And so I've called today's sermon the last hundred meters, right? Because that's, we've been running this long race, uh, you know, we've been running the mile and now we're on the last hundred meters. And sometimes what people say right at the end of their letters, uh, kind of in the postscripts or whatever else, uh, are important. And so today we're going to have Paul's last words to the Galatian church. Uh, and this is what he says. I'm going to read the whole text and then we're going to uh, we're going to kind of uh, cut around uh, and, and talk a little bit about some other texts as well. Paul says this to the Galatian church. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they would do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ, meaning they're Christians, but they're still acting like Jews. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law or are able to keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. And you can hear the echoes of, of the words that Terry read in the Second Corinthians, which we'll get to here in a bit. He says, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God, meaning the chosen people of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Now, what Paul does in this text is that he shares peace and mercy with them, and he ends with grace. Peace and mercy are good things. He said some difficult things in this book. He has called them to account. He's read them the riot act in some of the chapters. And now he's ending with almost outstretched arms like peace and mercy and grace. I want you to not miss the message, even though I've stepped on your toes and maybe stepped on your hearts a little bit, I want you to hear God's, God's origin for you, and that is peace and mercy and grace. He tells us that he bears Christ physically. If we know the story, if you read the book of Acts, Paul is assaulted more than once. He's imprisoned multiple times, I'm sure on his hands and on his, on, on his feet, on his ankles and his wrists, even around his neck where they would put where they would chain prisoners. There probably is, you know, he, he wears those marks. He's, he's been whipped and flogged. He's been beaten. He's been punched. His appearances are rougher than they were five years ago. He says, I physically bear the marks of Christ on my body. If you looked at me, you wouldn't think that I was some, some teacher or some high official. You would probably think that I was a slave. And then in the midst of that, he warns people about playing both sides. Now, it always comes back to this concept of circumcision because that's kind of the Jew and Gentile. That's one of the things that distinguishes them. I, I would argue not only according to customs or the way that they would do things, but that was the, one of the physical ways that they were distinguished from one another. And he's telling them and he's saying, listen, guys, some of you are wanting to appear to the world like you're Jews because you're going to not be as persecuted as, as if you just proclaim 
that you love Jesus. You don't want to wear your WWJD bracelet in public. You cover that up because you don't want to be persecuted because life is harder when you believe in Christ. All of us struggle with this, don't we? We all struggle about taking our faith on one side and then trying to justify some of the things that we're doing. I see this a lot sometimes when we're doing counseling with people and people maybe have gone through a bad divorce or a bad marriage uh, or something like that and now they're dating someone and they're, they're deciding if they should get married and they come and they sit in my office and they say, you know, I have bad memories of being married or I didn't have a good experience so we're just going to live together and act like we're married and I, and I don't sit there and say you're terrible people and how dare you because I have my own sins but part of me is saying sometimes we like to play both sides. I remember about a decade ago um, we had some people that, that came to our church, and they had a cash business, okay? You guys know what I'm about to say, right? Because some of you are in cash business too. And, th- and there's a line there. There's some allowances, but sometimes it's easy what we declare. And I remember they, they did this thing, and they were almost boasting about how much money they were going to make away with. And I remember in, a, in the nicest way that I could, I kind of said, guys, wh- what you're doing is, is not moral, and it's not legal, it's, it's not a good idea. I understand there's some of that, and some, some of you work in those kinds of industries, but we've got to be careful there. Their response to me was, well, we give a lot to the church. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't make it okay. You can't give 20% of dirty money to a church. There's got to be morality and honor in the midst of this. We've got to stop playing both sides. And this is something that we all struggle with. Who am I around my friends? even though I want to be a person of faith. And this is the battle. And Paul kind of says to them, listen, at some point you've got to be all in. That's why he says what matters is the new creation. When we understand who we are in Christ, it changes the way that we live. And let me tell you, life is going to be harder if you're a Christian. Because you have to be kind when you don't want to be. You have to give when you don't want to part with money. You have to decide who you are. And a lot of people around us are living these lavish lives because there's nothing bigger than them in their story. When you're a Christian, you're choosing a more difficult road, the narrow path that Jesus calls. It's challenging. It's difficult. You're going to lose a lot of stuff sacrificially. But the benefits are out of this world, right? And then Paul does something that I think from time to time preachers, pastors do. He shares personal struggles. As we start this last section, he writes, he writes these words and he says, see what large letters I use as I write this with my own hand. Meaning I'm not dictating this to somebody. You know, this is not a, this is not a, a, a copy and paste from a previous letter. I'm writing you something n- unique just for you. And this has led scholars to, to question what is Paul's actual struggle? Did he struggle with his sight in a, in a world that maybe they don't have you know, eye care the way that they do now. You can't go and get a pair of, you know, get a pair of glasses. Was he going blind? You know, did he have, did he have cataracts? I, I don't know. I was thinking about this this last week, and something occurred to me that had never occurred to me before. In Acts chapter 9, you, you meet this guy named Saul, who becomes Paul when he writes, you know, Galatians. But the reality is he's on the road to Damascus. Do you remember what happens? He sees a bright light. And Jesus talks to him, and he is blind for three days. Now, if you read the story, it says Ananias goes to him, and he accepts Christ. And, and, you know, there's this big gesture, and it says scales fall off his eyes. But I think part of this 
is that he had some permanent damage from being blinded. It wasn't like it was just a spiritual blinding or something mysterious. There was such a bright light that it blinded him for three days. That's going to do some damage to your eyes. And even though he came back, even though that was an image of him being blind to what God was doing, when he regained his sight, he could see and he could move, but I would imagine it was never quite what it once was. Some people say, did he have some kind of physical ailment? Did he, did he struggle with arthritis? Did he struggle you know, with some kind of injury? Did, did, something, did that make it hard for him to travel, that that's why he writes so many letters, is because he's not really able to travel as far as he once was? Maybe, maybe some of his imprisonment created some damage to his body. Maybe he had a, a broken leg that didn't heal quite right or something else. Maybe his body was fatigued. I can't believe that if you've been whipped and beaten that you're just going to walk down the road like nothing's wrong. He tells us that he physically bears some of the marks. In fact, in other writings, what is Paul's struggle? He talks about it being a thorn. Isn't it amazing? You ever go camping or something and you step on one of those goat heads? Oh, man. And it's tiny. And yet you feel like your whole body is just, you know, convulsing in pain. And that's what he calls it. He says, I have this, this thorn. And I want to read another part of uh, 2 Corinthians. And, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning the second part of verse 7. It says this. Paul's saying this to the Corinthian church. But he says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh messenger of Satan to torment, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You ever do that? God, please, just take it away. Please. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, Paul says, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong, right? Because of him. What was Paul's thorn? I know that there were probably some physical things that Paul struggled with. I think that's fairly obvious. He says that. But I think his thorn was something else. I can't prove this. It's just a theory. But this is what I think it was. I, th- I think that his physical ailments meant nothing to him. If you go back in the book of Acts to Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, you see the church is growing so explosively that they need to get some new people on board. They need to hire some more staff to make sure they can keep moving the church as they need to. And of the seven people that they choose, there is a man named Stephen. And Stephen is actually, like the other seven, is called to be a steward. What their job was, was to make sure that widows and orphans uh, were were helped and were blessed, that they were fed, that they were able to, to live their lives in this persecuted environment. And Stephen, instead of doing that, he decided to go out and start preaching and proclaiming Jesus. He just couldn't help himself. And there's a huge story in Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7 where he is standing before the Jewish council just like Jesus stood before the Jewish council. And he proclaims the gospel 
to these people. And guess what? It doesn't go well. They take him outside the city. It says they drag him outside the city. They, they gather around him. They pick up stones. And they start stoning him. And it says the Pharisee that is standing there giving the go-ahead is a man named Saul. That's Acts 7. In Acts 9, Saul has his own experience with God, and he changes his life. But in Acts 6 and 7, we see Stephen. Stephen was free and bold and fearless and courageous and forgiving Stephen was all the things that Paul had spent his life trying to be. Stephen is the first known church or Christian martyr, the first one outside of Jesus that dies for his faith in Christ. And Saul is there saying, kill him. Just two chapters later, Saul loves Jesus, but he never forgets that he killed Jesus. I think Paul's thorn was that he struggled to forgive himself. You ever find that's hard? Sometimes people say, I forgive you. When you do something bad, maybe it's in your home, in your workplace, whatever it might be. But one thing that happens is that I think, I think Paul prayed. He said, God, just take this, allow me to be forgiven. And God said, I'm sorry, man. You're going to have to bear this. It's not that you're not forgiven of it. It's not that you're going to be punished for it. God, just take the, when I wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night, I see Stephen's face. Take it away. I don't want to feel that way anymore. And God said, Paul, I love you. You're my guy. And I'm not going to take that away from you. And maybe the question that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, when was Paul made new? When was Paul really free? read his writings, he will get to the end of it and he will say, I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He will say things like, if I live, it's for Christ. And if I die, it's gain. And I wish I could die and go and be with the Lord. But right now, God has me here. I think that Paul had to wait until his journey was over before that was made right. I think it was a thorn that he carried till his dying day. And maybe sometimes we have those little thorns in our lives and we say, I wish God would just take this away. Maybe it's maybe it's angerness, angerness, anger or bitterness towards a spouse that you're now divorced from. Maybe it's a fight. Somebody said something to you, you just you can never forget those words. Bitterness creeps into our lives and takes hold of us. And then when we're ready to let it go, we just can't. And we pray about it. God, just take this away. Just allow it to be, uh, allow me to be made new in this moment. And God says, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to carry that for a while. Take away my, my pain. Take away this loss and this grief. God says, I'm sorry. You'll be okay. I'm with you. You know, the way that I see it, just to bring the, the story full circle, Bible tells us, it doesn't really tell us that Paul dies at the end of the book of Acts, in Acts 28, that 
lived as a prisoner in Rome under house arrest for a couple of years. And people still, he writes a lot of his letters, he, he, he shares a lot of his story, and eventually the Romans have enough of it, and so they send a brigade, and, and Paul is beheaded. The Bible doesn't tell us that story, but we know that it happened. So this is what I think happened. He closed his eyes to this life. his eyes in the presence of God. And he looked Jesus in the face. And maybe he gave him a hug. <laughs> I hope that's what I would do. But then he scanned around. And he was looking for one face. The face that haunted him now became a moment of redemptive reunion. saw Stephen and said, my brother, I'm sorry. And Stephen said, you know, it's all good. I don't know what he said. And there was a moment of embrace where Paul was able to lay down his weapon. And now they are brothers That's why he says in 2 Corinthians. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulty, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And he wants us to hear that. Because what he is saying is when we are the new creation, when we are made new, we are free. And that's what he wants the Galatians to find. That's why he's been so hard on them. Because they're missing it. And it doesn't mean they just want the, the difficulty to end. And he is saying, when you are made new, it's going to be bad for a while, but you're going to experience freedom that you would never have otherwise. Because you're new and you're free. And maybe just those words echoing over our lives tells us, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. It's not going to be easy every step of the way. You're going to have to walk through some dark things. not see God's strength in the midst of that, but others will. You know, when people come in and life hasn't worked out, uh, I have this, this, this thing that I say to people, which is, is and I, I, I don't mean to be borderline inappropriate, I'm just, I'm gonna, it's, not a, it's not a good word or word. I just tell them, I say, embrace the stuff. Just embrace the gloom. If, you're in a, if, you, if, if, you've, if you've had a relationship breakup, go and listen to every sad song. In other words, Go listen to country music. Um, yeah. And you'll feel better. You just got to surrender it. You got to lay it down. Have you ever heard people that go, well, I, I, I'm trying to be strong. Why? Everybody knows you're struggling. Just, just tell people, I'm having a hard time right now. You know, I know this might be news to you, but sometimes we, our, our pastors gather in a room before we start this and we pray and we tell jokes and we make fun of each other and that's what we do. And some days we come there and everybody's like, I'm just, 
I'm not feeling it today. I'm struggling today. And I'm tired today. Melina said, you know, I'm, I'm exhausted. You know what? God shows up in those moments and says, I got this. It'll be, nobody's going to be, nobody cares about you. Just, just let them see me. Right? What if we, what if we have comfort or what if we have the ability to do that? To say, you know what, God, I'm just going to get out of the way. we'll have people praying up here today uh, during the songs. Let me pray for us. Lay it down. Don't leave with it. You brought it in. Leave it here. Leave it at the foot of the cross. God will meet you there and do amazing things. Father, today, thank you for, thank you for inviting us, for welcoming us into this place, for sharing your story with us. God, thank you for, for letting us know that our abilities <laughs> and our strength is not what matters to you. That you just want broken vessels. You just want jars of clay. You just want something that you can fill. And when we confront our own weakness, God, you will do more than we can imagine in our lives. Thank you for these words in Galatians that maybe are a little different than what we're used to hearing. But Father, I just pray. I just pray that we would take them to heart that whatever we're carrying today, that we, we know that we're not going to leave and everything's going to be fixed, but we know that we're safe to lay it down. It's okay for us to say, I'm weak or I'm struggling or I'm having a hard time. Because God, that's what you want. And when we do that, you are able to do amazing things. We pray today that you would use broken lives to do something pray this all through Jesus and the church together says.